There are always aggressive and daring men, perhaps few in number, but impetuous and convincing. They want to accomplish things and to move quickly, and they don't mind any amount of work or responsibility. At all events, this was the side I represented. Hello, and welcome to How to Take Over the World. This is Ben Wilson. That is a quote from the subject of today's episode, John D. Rockefeller Sr. And this is the End Notes episode. So I'm going to be talking about the rest of the story after his retirement, as well as some more of my notes and some things that I find interesting and think that you might find interesting. I'll be talking a little bit more about his diet. I'll talk about whether Rockefeller was a good person or a bad person, something I don't love to get into, but I think worth thinking about, kind of squaring his morality. He's an extremely religious and pious moral person with his buccaneering, domineering, aggressive, and often borderline criminal behavior as a businessman. I'll be talking about his foundation and some of his charitable acts and how that affected the 20th and indeed the 21st centuries. Talk a little bit about his family life and dive a little bit more into his hobbies and just who he was, who Rockefeller was as a person. As always, this is a free preview. If you're not a paying subscriber, uh, you'll get the first 10 minutes or so for free. And then after that, if you would like to listen to all the EndNotes episodes, go to takeoverpod.supercast.com and you can sign up there. I want to start off with a theory of what it is that makes people great. And the way I see it is there's kind of two or three ways to become great, to, to outperform others. The first is kind of obvious. It's to do what other people cannot do. So that can come through two ways. I'm kind of simplifying things here, but one is just be better than everyone else. So this is the Usain Bolt way of, of accomplishing greatness. Like everyone knows what you have to do to be a great sprinter. And Usain Bolt is just faster. Okay, so that's one way. Just be better. Uh, the second is related to it. It's you're also doing what other people can't do, but you do it by finding some sort of arbitrage, right? By finding something that isn't as highly valued by others or bringing in a new skill, a new approach, a new view, a new framework, and using that to achieve uncommon results. And then the other way is, you know, especially if you're not capable of just being the best, you can do what others are not willing to do, uh, either because it's too hard. And so you're just willing to grind, or maybe they're not willing to do it because they view it as uh, immoral or wrong in some way, but you are willing to do that. Okay. That's the mafioso approach, I guess. And I think the reason that Rockefeller was so successful at what he did was that he was able to combine all three of these. So in some ways he was just Usain Bolt. He was just an amazingly gifted businessman. He was more detail oriented. He was smarter. He was a better decision maker and able to find savings and efficiencies where others couldn't. So that's the first thing. The second is the arbitrage idea. And how that played in is that most people were treating oil at the time like a gold rush. So remember, and I pointed this out in the first episode, there had only been one large deposit of oil found in the world anywhere. And that was in Pennsylvania. And many people thought this could be it. Like, well, pump all the oil from here. And maybe this is just a geological anomaly. This only happens once, one time in the entire planet. 
And so most people treated it as a short-term business, right? Don't build high-quality long-term facilities. Uh, don't do anything that you can't kind of take down or cash out on within a couple of years. Whereas Rockefeller treated the industry very differently. He was treating oil like it was going to last forever, like this was going to be a major part of the world economy in perpetuity. It turns out that he was right. And so he's unbelievably skilled. He's using arbitrage. He's approaching the industry in a different way. And then the third thing is, yeah, he was a gangster, <laughs> like, like literally a gangster. He was willing to collude, to bully, to do whatever it took to win. And sometimes that can be exaggerated because, so take, for example, the rebates that he got from the railroads. Everyone took rebates where they could, right? The difference between Rockefeller and everyone else is that he was so good and he achieved scale so quickly that um, he was able to do this on a scale that no one else could. Okay, so I think that's a really interesting framework when you're thinking about how you're going to be great at something. Where is my differentiation going to come from? Am I just more skilled? Am I just better? Or do I have some arbitrage opportunity? Do I have some different perspective that's going to give me a big advantage? Or am I just willing to do things that others aren't going to, to do? That doesn't have to be you know, the mafioso approach. It doesn't mean that you're going to do something immoral or illegal. It could just mean that you're willing to do uh, dirty work, do hard things, do crap work that no one else wants to do. But I think the outsized success of Rockefeller and everyone like him, people who are truly like world movers, one of one, you know, the Napoleons, the Rockefellers, the Steve Jobs, it's because they do all three. They're amazingly talented and they have some unique perspective, uh, some unique arbitrage opportunity that gives them an advantage and they're willing to do anything to win. And Rockefeller was willing to do anything. He was an extremely competitive person. So let's get into the question of was he a good person or was he a bad person? And uh, there's a good quote from the True Now biography. He says, what makes him so problematic and why he continues to inspire such ambivalent reactions is that his good side was every bit as good as his bad side was bad. Chernow goes on, seldom has history produced such a contradictory figure. We are almost forced to posit in helpless confusion at least two Rockefellers, the good religious man and the renegade businessman, driven by baser motives. Complicating this puzzle is the fact that Rockefeller experienced no sense of discontinuity as he passed from being the brains of Standard Oil to being the monarch of a charitable empire. He did not see himself in retirement as atoning for his sins, and he would have agreed emphatically with Winston Churchill's later judgment. Quote, the founder of the Standard Oil Company would not have felt the need of paying hush money to heaven. So in other words, some people propose this idea that the reason that he was so charitable was because he, had, he knew that he had done bad as a businessman, and he didn't see it that way at all. In fact, I think the fact that Rockefeller really believed that he was on a mission from God is often what enabled him to be so cutthroat in business because A, he was religious and he knew he was going to give away a lot of his money. So he's saying, hey, in the long run, this is going to benefit people. B, he really believed in this idea of cooperation versus competition. And so he's thinking, look, in the long run, I'm doing what's best for the economy and for business. I'm trying to save this industry. I'm trying to make it rational. I'm trying to make it work. I'm trying to make it profitable. And if we just continue in this competitive environment, everyone's going to fail. And so he thought he was doing the right thing in the long run. And so if you want to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs, right? And if I need to push a little bit on a refiner to, uh, to get them to sell to me so that this cooperation can happen, 
then, you know, that's worth it. And that's not a bad thing. And so, um, you know, is he a good person or is he a bad person? You know, I never like to pass judgment on these types of things, but I will say that he definitely viewed himself as a good person. I don't think he experienced any cognitive dissonance about his actions, but it's also interesting, you know, it doesn't just come from this place of doing good in the long run. Like he really liked to get his way and was willing to do anything in order to get what he wanted. So there's a good story that shows this. Uh, it's after he's retired and he's building this big estate, his, his big retirement, you know, home is almost underselling it. It's got like a golf course and a bunch of properties and, um, some cool gardens and it's this huge estate and he wants to expand it a little bit. And so he's buying up the property around him and there's one guy who won't sell. And, uh, and here's what Chernow writes. He says, quote, at one point, Rockefeller decided that he had to purchase a small corner of property owned by Thomas Birdsall. He offered an excellent purchase price and said he would buy a nearby strip of land to which Birdsall could move his house. When Birdsall refused, Rockefeller ordered his superintendent to surround the offending property with the largest cedar trees he could find, casting the house in perpetual gloom. Birdsall caved in. So it's not just that he thought that, hey, I have to do this in business in order for the greater good. Like he had this really aggressive personality that wanted things done exactly his way. And he did it in his personal life too. There's no like greater moral justification for bullying this guy into selling him his land. He just really wanted it and was willing to do whatever it took to get that little corner of land. And so that's just who he was. Like, I think he was a man of intense, intense desires, a man of intense will. And that led him to act the way he was. So was he a good person or was he a bad person? Again, I find the question kind of fruitless. I tend to look at it as, as Michael Brower's said of Napoleon in his biography, you might as well ask whether an earthquake or a volcanic eruption or a tornado is good or bad. It just is. It's a force of nature that has to be reckoned with. And that was Rockefeller. He was absolutely a force of nature. Okay, that was your free portion. For those of you who are not subscribed, again, go to takeoverpod.supercast.com if you would like to hear the rest. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Until next time, thank you for listening to How to Take Over the World.